put Rudy in the game. Put Rudy <laughs> in the game, y'all. I know y'all have heard my analogy for those of you who have watched the movie Rudy, right? About this this football player who is not the average height, who is not the normal size. He goes to Notre Dame and he shows up to practice day in, day out. You know, his whole college career he gets in, but he gets zero playing time until the very last game, right? And finally the coach is like, fine, just let him in. And, and they let him in and he gets a tackle or a sack and like, you know, everyone's rooting for him. It's like, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. And the whole stadium just goes bananas. And so I always make that same analogy. Like that's the Holy Spirit inside each and every one of us who was confirmed. And when are we gonna put Rudy in the game? Like, when are we gonna allow Rudy to do what Rudy does? He's inside of us working day in and day out. The Holy Spirit is working. Whether or not we're even actively activating that Holy Spirit, it is there just waiting to be unleashed. Welcome to another Project Whetstone podcast brought to you by Blaze Ministry 707, where our goal is to help shape and sharpen your faith by sharing our faith experiences growing up in the 707 and beyond. I'm Bro Rye, and as always, accompanied with Brother Carlo Terrell and Brother Jeremy Mallet. What is going on, brothers? Hello, hello. What's up? Good evening. Yes, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you are listening to this podcast. And once again, we thank you for being with us today. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, be sure to give us a rating, Apple Podcasts, like the podcast, share the podcast, and more importantly, just pray with us as we continue again to just share. Uh, we break down the Sunday readings for now, um, and we will definitely be doing a lot more in the near future. Oh, God willing. So, yes. So thank you all for for rocking with us. Brother Jay, again, for those of you listening, Brother Jay currently is in Eureka. Got bro CeeLo in Fresno and I'm coming out here from South Carolina, Greenville. So we are literally spread out throughout the country and, you know, God is moving in us in some amazing ways. So continue to just stay with us on this podcast as we share these things in real time and unfold them as they come along. And most importantly, Right, seeing how these readings and seeing how the church calendar and how God is continuing to show up in our lives in that way. So real quick, fellas, before we get going, quick question for y'all before we start and just jump into this seventh Sunday in Easter. And we're going to be breaking down the solemnity of the Ascension readings this week. Um, quick question. So what's one thing, one thing that you've learned about yourself Throughout this pandemic, this has been a question that I have been sharing with all of the students and the teens that I've been working with um, this past week, week and a half. And it was it was cool because one of the students were like, well, what about you? You know, bro, right? <laughs> what is something that you learned? And I was like, oh, you know, just really thinking about that. So I'm curious what if you just, you know, again, as we've been through this pandemic and we are like coming close like brother jay said the other day like we are the other podcast we are like he's starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel but we still have to continue to stay steadfast in our practice until you know we get the green signal we get the you know all is good to go um but just in this yeah just in this time in this this pandemic what would be would you say one thing that you've learned about yourself 
what's kind of funny is I, I think relative to the greater community, I already kind of live in a, in a uh, pandemic shut in lifestyle. <laughs> Cause I, I felt like, you know, my lifestyle didn't change too much except, you know, maybe not, we, I didn't take the girls to the park as much, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, and then, um, uh, you know, we didn't go out to, you know, have our little, um, snacks at the restaurants from time to time. But, um, apart from that, <laughs> my life, my lifestyle is kind of, uh, like, um, I, I would say in, in that way, I, I uh, practically speaking, it wasn't affected that much, but I, I did one on the flip side of that. I did learn, um, um, just how, um, how much I do value in-person contact and, uh, and being with family. Cause even though I'm an introvert and I, I value my, you know, my alone time, um, uh, that doesn't mean I I'm antisocial, you know, I, I really do like to have that, that those family parties and to be with people and, um, being that it was much harder to do that and, uh, less, less frequent, you know? Um, so, um, I would say that was, it was learning just how important family relationships are and how much I do really do value that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely that, that human connection is, you know, one of our, our students, she was in fifth grade and she shared the, um, her answer was knowing the value of, or not knowing the value what she said, it's okay to be alone sometimes. And I found that to be really, you know, deep for this fifth grader because she spent her whole fifth grade year on a screen, not like her typical, you know, not like the fifth graders before her, right, with all the different activities. And and so the fact that, you know, and I asked her, could you, you know, elaborate on that? She goes, well, I just learned that, yes, I miss my friends. Yes, I miss everyone, but it's good to be alone sometimes. It's good to have time for yourself in quiet time. And I was like, Ooh, you know, she was going deep. And so, mm -hmm. so yeah. And then, um, and I just said one thing that I learned about myself during this, this pandemic was that, and maybe not learned about, but just even confirmed even more was that I'm a big dreamer. I'm a big dreamer. And, and I say that not because I like sleep a lot or I just have these big dreams that I don't think ever will come to fruition. But even in this hard, the hardest time of this pandemic during our lowest moments and on the drive from Cali all the way to the East Coast, you know, instead of being bitter, I'm like saying, how can I get better? Instead of, you know, saying, why me, God? I'm thinking like, okay, God, what do you have planned for me? So when this, if, and when something like this happens again, we're going to be pandemic proof, right? So like my drive from here and to, you know, from Cali to South Carolina and, you know, bro, CeeLo, shout out to bro CeeLo for being one of my, one of the, the main lifelines when I was driving and uh, Danielle was sleeping or when she was in the other car and we just have these conversations and I just realized, you know, I, I just am a big dreamer for things that I know can be a reality, but also even bigger than that, because I know God is capable. So 
um, being able to continue to, you know, and I think about Joseph, right, in the Old Testament, started with a dream. And I just think about, like, how much it's important to keep dreaming mm-hmm. and to keep those dreams, you know, um, close, but also know, like, you we're going to have to put in some work. So that's kind of what I learned about myself. Like, hey, I still dream big. And more importantly now, I'm even that much more motivated to get up and grind. Like, God is like, all right, here, I'm giving you a fresh new slate whole new environment, whole new set of circumstances, go, <laughs> right? That's kind of what, what I've learned. So what about you, bro, CeeLo? Any thoughts on that? I'm still thinking. I'm <laughs> There's, I mean, I, I think a big part of it is, I mean, it. even though it's been a year, it still feels like it was just a blur because, I mean, every day, I mean, you guys know, with four boys, mm-hmm. you know, Maggie working <laughs> 80 hours a week. Bro, every day is a blur. It's just, so I don't, I'm trying to think. Like, no, nah, I already knew about that, that about myself. No, nah, I knew it. Nah, well, yeah. well, I mean, when I think about your situation, <laughs> I, I would be like, man, you know, you kind of like learned or, you know, felt what it it's like for like a full-time daycare business <laughs> in the sense that you had four children under one roof, no one's going anywhere and you have you're having to take care of them all day long. Not like before, right? It would be like, take a couple kids to school. Then you're with, you know, one while the other at school and right. But like you had like full-time lockdown, um, like full. And again, not that it's a burden in that kind of sense, but like an experience that I feel like what, um, a daycare business would be like, and just, you know, really learning how to manage that. So, I mean, that's just kind of my first thought about your well, situation. With, with, with that said, I guess I've come to the realization that I could take care of four kids by myself at all different. I mean, cause there was, especially when, when Maggie would do her 24 hour shifts, you know, and shout out to her parents cause they came down, you know, a bunch of times during those rough weeks. Like there was a few, there's a few weeks where she had to work nights for like two weeks straight. And I mean, that basically mm. meant we'd see her awake for an hour and then that was it for two weeks, you know, but, um, yeah, I guess it's, and, and it's, even when I think about it now, it's not really something I learned about myself. It was kind of just, you know, it's maybe in 10 years I'd be like, Oh, I learned this, but right now it feels like I just, I just survived, bro. <laughs> I, I just, I yeah. survived. Um, I think, <laughs> I think the boys, especially the older two, have learned to become a lot more independent because sometimes daddy just can't get to you, son. You just got to figure it out. Sorry, you know. So um, I, I've learned that, you know, Zary can pretty much school himself. I mean, give him give him a program he knows how to read. He could school himself. I mean, pretty, I'd say 85% of what he did this year learning, he did on his own. You know, I just be like, Zare, you got the modules, go get it done. You know, let me know if you need any help and I'll try my best. And- Man, look, it's, I love I love Mr. Modesty here, bro. Because, hey, let's be honest, like you're right. Like in that moment or in those times, yeah, he definitely put in the work. But what people don't know, our listeners out there, is all the, the work ethic that has built him up to get to this point, which I know firsthand that you have had a big part in in terms of Mm -hmm. you know getting him up on a routine early in the morning 
And, you know, whether it was from remember doing the, the exercise in the garage, right, the jujitsu to, you know, doing some of his homework. And you had him on, you still have him on a good routine, but I feel like that routine pre-pandemic that he was on, which most parents or most people would be like, but he's just five, he's just six. I think all of that, um, the unseen is, I, I believe, what built him up to the pandemic and how he showed up and how he continues to show up. So um, if anything, yeah. that the learning I would see like that your methods and your patience and your the seeds that you have planted are definitely um, bearing fruit in during mm -hmm. this pandemic. So come on, man, I, 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 I'm oh, taking notes bro, bro, I'm, from everything. I already know when he gets married and if I have to give a speech, I'm going to congratulate him on being the test specimen for daddy's all his ideas on parenting because Zary's definitely <laughs> been the guinea pig bro i mean yeah it's it's worked out but yeah he's he's a he's a he's learning a lot more than i did at my age and uh it definitely helped this year with with uh you know his ability to to do what he needs to do like super independent because again daddy was He's doing his best with, you know, a, a one, a two, a five and an eight year old. But, you know, having an eight year old pretty much being able to be my right hand man was a, a huge help mentally, physically, <laughs> spiritually. I mean, yeah. 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 Shout out so. to Zarius Terrell when you hear this years from now. And yeah, just salute to both of y'all, man. Just really being some great fathers. Um not again not about being perfect striving for that perfection in the hebrew sense right to be complete but ultimately like you know some things we got to try some things we got to and then reevaluate is did this work did it not work and um but also just you know having a lot of grace having a lot of grace for yourselves and supporting the, your wives the way that you do so salute to you both brother salute to you both right on for for sharing um again just i always am curious just kind of about that internal growth. You were hey, like on, on your birthdays, y'all know I ask y'all the same question. So, you know, did you reach your goals from what you said last year and what are your goals for next year? Because I'm always, you know, just um, in that refining moment, right? We always talk about refiner's fire. So, all right, y'all. So let's, speaking of refining, let's go ahead and refine our fire. That didn't even make sense, but let's just go ahead and get into today's reading. So yes, y'all, just another clarification today. We're going to be breaking down the readings from the solemnity of the Ascension. Okay. There are two sets of readings for this Sunday, and I'm going to go ahead and shoot it over to Jay to kind of break down the two, the differences between the two readings or not even, yeah, the difference and why and also the theme for the readings that we're going to be breaking down today right so um so america is in kind of in a unique situation in that it's not uh, an overtly catholic country and so the bishops kind of had to make a, a a liturgical decision about you know whether they should keep uh, Ascension Thursday, because according to Scripture, after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples, and we'll, we'll get to, we'll see this in the in the gospel. After he rose from the dead, but before he ascended, he he was appearing to his disciples, and he was hanging around for about forty days, and so forty days after Easter Sunday would put it on a Thursday, and that we have this traditional feast, the solemnity of uh, Ascension Thursday. And that traditionally has been a holy day of obligation. But, you know, being that it's during the week, 
And um, uh, there's a couple of factors it, that the bishops decided that it would be okay to move the solemn, solemnity to the following Sunday. There's a couple of factors that push the bishops in this direction is, you know, uh, for one thing, how many of for our listeners, did you know that it was Ascension Thursday? If you're saying no, well, that's not entirely your fault because, you know, there, there's been some poor catechesis in, in America. And the other side of that is being that it is during the week um, and our culture is not sympathetic uh, largely to how uh, Catholics celebrate. And so, you know, there would be a lot of people needing to take time off or, you know, call off and uh, that sort of thing. And, and there are definitely some uh, Catholics that will set aside that time and, you know, make sure they have that paid time off or that time off to be able to go and celebrate the Ascension. But for a lot of people, it might not be doable. You know, so so as a bishop, you know, what do you do when you have a lot of your large part of your flock in that kind of situation? So they said, okay, instead of making Holy uh, Ascension Thursday a holy day of obligation, we'll push the um, celebration of the Ascension to the following Sunday. Now, not every diocese will do this, and this is where, um, you know, uh, canon law kind of comes into play because every bishop is in charge of their diocese. Some bishops will decide, no, Holy, uh, Ascension Thursday is its own thing. We need to keep continue to observe that, whereas other bishops will say, um, uh, no, uh, um, no, that's a little bit too hard for the people of my flock. I think it's um, okay to do it on on Sunday. So, it, um, so if you if you're not sure, uh, just see what the bishop says. On usually it's found on the diocesan website. Um, but for a majority of the country, I think um, uh, dioceses will be uh, observing the ascension on uh, what, what is typically the seventh Sunday in Easter. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, again, it's just um, when we were talking about earlier about how, be, you know, being not just even poorly catechized per se, but how you talked about culture and how it's not even, you know, you brought up the whole like Western, you know, the whole West, like the America, you know, the America, United States, but I always think about like, you know, how it is in different parts of even our country, how some, some of the culture is, is all about the Sabbath and, you know, out here and I'm in the Bible belt and you can feel the difference on what it's like from here, you know, and in Cali and I'm pretty sure in other areas of the country. That's why it's like, you know, like you said, different dioceses may have different needs or different standards because the bishop is in charge of bishoping their their um their flock so so thank you for for that clarification on that or just kind of breaking that down a little bit so yeah so today's theme uh let's go ahead and jump right into it again so we are you know, looking into the readings of the solemnity of the ascension so if you're following along we put the links in the description the show notes so be sure to click on those links to the usccb website and you have all of the readings there all right so uh the seventh sunday of easter the the normal readings not the ascension ones would would have just continued on the trajectory that uh, we've already been on you know with with actually the apostles and john but uh, the ascension is an important uh, moment in christian history because this is the moment when Christ ascends into heaven, and we we one of the things that we pray in our creed every Sunday is 
he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And um, that idea of being seated at the right hand of God, it, it evokes a very royal, um, a high status, a very kingly status of Jesus, who was, you know, we talked about him as the suffering servant. We also apply titles to him like Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And all these are, they fall short of what we're really trying to say about Jesus. And we have to use all these poetic uh, and grand and majestic images to describe who Christ is to us and to the church and to creation. Uh, but they all just fall short. And um, But we really try to say it uh, on the Feast of the Ascension because this is where we do our best to articulate and celebrate that Christ has triumphed <laughs> and he's now taking his place on his throne in heaven and that we are um, members or part of that kingdom and that this kingdom will be making its way across the cosmos, you know, <laughs> that everything will be subject to him. Uh, as we'll see in the readings. And so the theme is that Jesus is Lord, you know, Jesus is King and a sign of his rule and in us that a sign that we are part of the, his kingdom as subjects of his kingship that is that he will give us the Holy Spirit, you know, as citizens of his sort of city in a sense, uh, a sign of our citizenship is that the spirit is active in our lives. Uh, and um, the, we'll see in the readings, just how the spirit is active among his members, but all for the purpose of building up the kingdom of God, which is the church on earth. A quick question before we jump into that first reading. So can you break down uh, the word ascension for us? Right. Uh, so the word ascend just uh, literally means to go up, right? To like you would ascend a, uh, an escalator or ascend uh, you know, a mountain by climbing it uh, and the difference between the word ascension and assumption which we apply to mary is that uh jesus goes up under his own power because he's god right he can do he goes wherever he wills right um he has power to do all he wills and uh and so jesus ascends um into heaven and we'll see in scripture that he he goes up now up uh, I, I say that in quotes with quote fingers because, um, you know, heaven is not a physical place. But the re the reason why the scripture uh, sends Jesus in that direction is it it symbolizes the transcendence of of heaven. How it is uh, for lack of for lack of better words, it's above and uh, transcends creation. Um, and beyond what we can understand because we're limited by our, our physicality. Um, so um, versus assumption, you know, Mary is taken up into heaven. It's not by her power, but by God's power that she's assumed into heaven and taken up, um, but going in the same direction. <laughs> All right. So today's first reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter one, verses one through 11. Right, so this is the very beginning of the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Just like how he begins what he calls the first book. The first book is the book of Luke, and we talked about this in a previous podcast, that Luke is the one who wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. And the Acts of the Apostles is basically the Gospel of Luke, part two, 
right? Um, in the Gospel of Luke, he focuses on the uh, words, the teachings, and the deeds of of Jesus. Uh, in the second book, um, appropriately named the Acts of the Apostles, all the things that the, the apostles did, said, and taught in light of everything that happened with Jesus. And it begins with the ascension. And so he's writing to this Theophilus, and just a, a quick word on, on him, because uh, Theophilus is kind of a, he's a stand-in, he's a symbolic uh, person. Because the word Theophilus, uh, when you break down the two um, root words, God, Theo, Theos, and Philus, lover, right? So a lover of God. He's right. So he's writing to this lover of God because the word Christian hasn't isn't around yet when scripture is being written. So he's sort of writing to the lovers of God, right? Um, but he's writing each of these books as if you know he's only writing to one person. Anyway, so he's writing to this Theophilus, which is uh, basically every individual Christian, and he summarizes how Christ. Uh, the life of Christ, how he died, rose again, and appeared to his disciples um, for a period of 40 days, and then rises into heaven. And here, what we're reading is his rising into heaven. There's a lot to go on here, but um, just important things to note is that uh, he mentions how before before sending him out, sending his disciples out into the world, he says that in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, so we're coming to the end of Easter, where uh, this is the seventh Sunday. Um, so we've come through six complete weeks, and then this uh, final uh, week uh, will lead us to the the Feast of Pentecost, and that's that's the what he's referen referencing when he says, "In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit." We'll talk about that next week, but that uh, so this moment. Um, is an important moment for the apostles because Jesus is basically giving him, giving them all of his final instructions before he's taken from their sight, which we see at the, at the end of this uh, first reading. Here's his, his disciples. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So they're still thinking in terms of uh, political and worldly promises and images of what Israel is supposed to be. You know, they're asking, you know, the whole Old Testament was talking talking about the promises of God to to restore the kingdom of Israel, to make it its own sovereign nation, not under any foreign powers, and that it would be a beacon of light to all the nations of the earth uh, as a kingdom ruled by God directly. You know, Jesus is patient with them, and he kind of says, it's not for you to know what precisely is going to happen, but, the, you know, the promises of God will be fulfilled. Uh, through you, and that uh, part of that promise is the Holy Spirit. Um, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he's basically preparing them, look, you're going to go worldwide with this. Those are his last words, according to um, Luke, before being taken from their sight, he, and they're lifted up on a cloud. Uh, Jesus is lifted up on a cloud, and he ascends into heaven. Then there's two men dressed in white garments. We, we, uh, tradition understands this, uh, interprets this as to be angels, angels that 
have left behind to kind of stir them out of their stupor and say, okay, now it's time to get wor to work. You know, uh, why are you standing there just looking at the sky? Jesus, you know, you can't see him anymore, right? Uh, it's time to get to work. But, you know, Jesus will come back. This is part of where we get our creedal statement after we say we believe that Jesus will ascend, uh, that Jesus ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father. We also say that he will come again in glory, right? Uh, that he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And so a lot of stuff is, is um, being expressed, in, which is why this is such an important feast to celebrate and make sure we, we celebrate. Because um, if we didn't do it on Thursday, we're missing a huge part of our faith. <laughs> if we didn't go to uh, celebrate Ascension Thursday um, and we missed those readings, we're missing the beginning of um, you know, what the apostles did after Christ wasn't there to hold them by the hand uh, in, a, in a literal way. You know, Hugely important moment for the, for the early church. I have to say Acts is... Uh... And maybe Father Leon back in the day had something to do with this, but you know it's always been one of my favorite books in the Bible because um, you know it just basically sets up kind of the the uh, kind of like the episodes after the movie, you know, like yeah, this whole big movie of of Jesus coming and completing his mission, and now kind of just like how you know Disney Plus has all these you know, TV show based stories about, you know, each character and kind of developing the story. Um, I feel like Acts does the same thing for our, for our, uh, for our church to kind of set up how, you know, the origin stories of, of how everything came to pass. Um, you know, which is really, you know, leads me to something that, you know, I really champion, um, you know, especially when we were teaching back in the day, um, and the basically what we call the sacrament of confirmation is something that, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of young people just take it as something that mom and dad's making me do. But in reality, it's something so much more powerful than just, you know, a routine of, of tradition. And I say this because... Even when we go back to, uh, you know, verse 8, you know, in, in, in this section that we're reading about, you know, chapter 1, verse 8 of Acts, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And one thing I've, I've learned about Scripture is that they don't use phrases lightly. Like for them to reuse that phrase, and I say reuse because we heard the same exact phrase when Mary was first visited and told, hey, you're going to get pregnant and you're about to have, you know, the savior of the world as your son. You know, that same phrase of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And right there, that tells you, I mean, the, the same, let, I mean, let's put that into context for a second. You know, Mary was able to conceive Jesus, you know, and remain a virgin. And for those of us that understand science and biology, you know, there's certain things that need to happen. And yet none of those things happened. And yet 
a baby was placed into the womb of Mary. So you just have to ask the question if we kind of expand on this concept a little bit more. Like, man, what what kind of power, what kind of miracle had to happen to miraculously place a baby inside of Mary's womb without any physical contact? And so I bring that up because the very same phrase that was used in scripture to let Mary know, hey, this is going to happen, is this very same phrase that Jesus is telling us, his apostles, that this is going to happen to you. I mean, just think of that for a second. The, the same power that was used to place Jesus into Mary's womb is going to be the same power that's going to come over the apostles and Pentecost. And through the generations, that same power has been passed on through the sacrament of confirmation. You know, that's that's basically what the sacrament of confirmation is. Where, you know, the church is taking that promise that Jesus gave us, that he said, hey, you're going to have this. You're a citizen of my kingdom in heaven. This is yours. You know, this is part of your citizenship. And he's giving it to us. And, and I'm making a big deal out of it because... We are literally being given the same power that allowed Jesus to manifest himself in flesh on earth. And we are given that same power to do the work that we're supposed to do here on earth. You know, to, to advance the kingdom of God here on earth. And and that part of the reading I think is such a important concept to kind of just gnaw on and to think about and you know like earlier on in in the readings we saw that you know his apostles were able to heal someone who'd been blind for for years right the was it the blind beggar at the the temple am, am i getting like everyone knew this guy everyone know this is the dude everyone knows you know mm-hmm. This guy's been blind for years. Everyone knows. And just by, you know, Peter and John being around him, he got healed. And everyone's like, wait, how did this dude get healed? I think this guy was, this one was the, uh, he was uh, crippled. The cripple, right. Okay. Yeah. Always get him mixed up. My bad. <laughs> but, uh, but there was also a blind um, beggar with Jesus. Yeah. So, <laughs> so no, yeah. But I mean, I and, and, and I think the, the concept still holds is like the Holy Spirit was given to his followers to do that work. And I think that's one of those things that until this day, the church struggles to really understand and accept. And I say that because I've, I've come from a family where, you know, a lot of the Catholic doctrines that we were practicing you know, even to my parents were considered just symbolic, you know, and yet here we are being told straight up, no, no, this is, this is the, the real deal. You know, if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, to move through you, like these are the same abilities, you know, and I'm not talking about comic book abilities. I'm not saying that you, you know, you can make a car levitate just for show, but you know, this is the same power and the same gift that 
Jesus promised us to be able to do his work. Um, and I just, I, I bring that up because I want to encourage those who have received the sacrament of confirmation or even those who are about to receive it to understand you're being given this great gift that Jesus himself promised us. And once you have it, it's up to you to use it. But unfortunately, a lot of people just kind of wave it off and, you know, just they just think it's it's just another, you know, checkbox to check off to move on to make my parents happy. When in reality, it's like now nah, you're being given something amazing to do something with. And, you know, I think that's that's just one of the one of the things that I feel we could do a lot more with if we truly understood and accepted the gift that Jesus left us. Amen. Amen. And you know, my a couple things came up for me while both of y'all were sharing, but I just want to share this one while it's fresh. Put Rudy in the game. Put Rudy in the game, y'all. I know y'all have heard my analogy for those of you who have watched the movie Rudy, right? About this this football player who is not the average height, who is not the normal size. He goes to Notre Dame and he shows up to practice day in, day out. You know, his whole college career he gets in, but he gets zero playing time until the very last game. Right. And finally, the coach is like, fine, just let him in. And and they let him in and he gets a tackle or a sack. And like, you know, everyone's rooting for him. It's like Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. And the whole stadium just goes bananas. And so I always make that same analogy. Like that's the Holy Spirit inside each and every one of us who was confirmed. And when are we going to put Rudy in the game? Like, when are we going to allow Rudy to do what Rudy does? He's inside of us working day in and day out. The Holy Spirit is working. Whether or not we're even actively activating that Holy Spirit, it is there just waiting to be unleashed, which is why, again, confirmation has always been near and dear to me. Um, and this whole, you know, Pentecost always and the Acts of the Apostles. So so put Rudy in the game. If you're listening to this right now, you Kathy, you confirmed and maybe you haven't been as active as you like to be, could be, should be. Put Rudy in the game. And if you haven't watched the movie, Rudy, <laughs> watch the movie, Rudy, and just imagine that is you, that is the Holy Spirit within you. Okay, and of course, there's way more to that, but that's the Holy Spirit in you working hard, but it's not going to be allowed to be, it's not going to be put in the game until you, until you activate it, right? Like you're the coach, put Rudy in the game, put your Holy Spirit to use and see what it can do for you. And I love Jay, how you talked about the questions they had, you know, are, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? <laughs> like, yo, y'all, you know, and I, and I look at that, like, yeah, their, their, their mindset and their focus is still very in their mind is, is a big deal, but really in the bigger picture is just a small, minute thing. And I think how many times are we in our world and our culture today, just focused on, you know, all the things of the world, which in our world can be big, but also thinking about like, it's really not that big in the bigger picture here. When we're talking about salvation, when we're talking about the afterlife, uh, we had a great question earlier in my confirmation class here at St. Anthony and was um, and our students are getting ready to be confirmed so please keep them in your prayers june 4th or june 5th that saturday uh, they'll be receiving the sacrament but the question was you know how do you 
uh, do you believe in life after death and and what proof do you have or it was a question along that lines and and one of the students shared about um and just said the word jesus and for whatever reason i, w- I don't remember exactly verbatim what they said but it triggered in me uh an answer that i would give to you know a younger one to a little one to an elementary school kid if the same question was asked and the answer is you know so the question is like you know how do you know there's life after death and the answer is jesus now i'm not saying that like you know everyone else answers jesus or god whenever you ask a question right at a retreat but what i mean is jesus is proof that there is life after death because he rose from the dead and it just really just you know took me back and i was just like sitting there thinking like to myself when i heard um, this young lady sharing and just, and she didn't say that answer, but just kind of like when she was talking about Jesus, I was like, Jesus is life after death. And if we believe in Jesus, then there is life after that. And then going into the ascension there, you know, like, I mean, of course there's faith and there's, you know, all these other reasons that people believe in life after death, but in the most simplest, you know, fashion, I'm like, Jesus rose from the dead. That was him living after dying life after death. Just, you know, again, super simple and again i know it can go it it does go deeper than that i'm not you know trying to you know downplay or water it down but just you know thinking about how that the mindset of our culture can just be so macro focused on these things that are not really gonna really affect the bigger picture or really don't matter in the bigger picture and again not to minimize people's feelings and and what they're experiencing their, in their circumstances. But this remind, this reading is a reminder, like, yo, we ain't about Israel. And like, when there's a second point, brother Carlos said, but you will be given the power. You will be giving the power of the Holy spirit. And like brother Jay said, to take it to all ends of the earth. Come on, we ain't talking about, he didn't say, I'm going to give you the power and you can handle Israel yourself, right? He didn't say, you know, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and yeah, you, y'all just finished that. Finish what I started in that little area, in that little town, in this little dot on the map. He was like, no, there's something bigger than this. Something bigger than you, a mission that is way beyond our imagination. And I'm going to give you me in the form of the holy spirit right god sent jesus jesus leaves the holy spirit to us economic trinity and then we take that and we go back up so think about that for a moment what in your life have you minimized or have you well what in your life have you like made this huge big thing and not to say that it isn't but in the bigger picture it's not really a big thing or maybe it's taking away your focus and energy Maybe it's what's holding you back from really allowing Rudy to get in the game. I think for many of us, our human struggles, right? The struggle is real. Paying the bills, taking care of your family, your mental health, your physical health. Yes, all of those things play a factor into whether or not we are truly going to allow Rudy to get in the game. But is it because our focus is on just Israel and not really understanding that there is a bigger picture and then everything you know and then especially what brother carlos said in between that is we are being given the power of the holy spirit like it's right there it's right there even if you're not confirmed and you're reading that 
like God is sending down God sent down Jesus and Jesus is going to send down the spirit to us. So, so yeah, I think again, there's just, I think it's all about focus, you know, where your, where your focus goes, your energy flows. So are you going to just continue to focus on just the worldly issues and not think about, you know, your spirituality, faith, salvation, or are you going to like start really thinking about the zoom out and looking at, Oh, okay. It's, it's more than just this, even though in my mind and in my world, it might feel like everything right now, but actually God gave us or Jesus left us the Holy spirit so we can handle that. So any additional thoughts, fellas, before we jump in? Well, I just thought, uh, brother Carlo made a, a beautiful connection between, you know, this, this moment of the Holy spirit coming upon them and uh and mary and um you know it's it's sort of the mission of the holy spirit to make christ present and you know we uh, we understand that mary was overshadowed um uh, by the holy spirit when christ became incarnate you know when when um when jesus was was uh conceived by the holy spirit in in the womb of mary and then uh but just a few other places that we where we recognize the present uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, um, where make where the Holy Spirit makes Christ present. You know, the, during the consecration, we pray a special prayer called the Epiclesis, which is a, a, a prayer that calls the Holy Spirit down upon uh, upon something. And in uh, in the Eucharist, when the priest puts puts his hands over uh, the bread and wine. He prays the epiclesis. He prays for the Holy Spirit to come upon these gifts and make them holy, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, again, making uh, Christ present in our midst. And there's one other place where um, where a celebrant will will pray an epiclesis and with the over with the um, laying on of hands, and that's at confirmations. The the celebrant bishops or in, in, in some cases priests who have special permission from the bishop, they'll pray that epiclesis prayer over the confirmandi and the Holy Spirit, uh, we understand the Holy Spirit is coming upon them. That's part of the, the, the rite. And so there's a very real sense in which um, Christ is becoming present in those who are being confirmed and that Christ is being, um, being made, made present anew. And so, um if anything uh he's not even asking us to have confidence solely in ourselves that we should have confidence in the gift of god being given to us you know and, and come on if, jay <laughs> let's go into my hands i commend your spirit let's go family that's what i'm talking about i love that yes all these connections y'all all these connections um how again just this is just like the, I always feel like this is the momentum building up, right? For, for this moment of, of us really allowing God to, to not just steer in our lives, but to stir in our hearts and fill us with that spirit to go and be the hands and the feet that the church needs right now. So, so let's jump into this responsorial. The responsorial is from Psalm 47, 2, 3, 6 through 7 and eight and nine all right so again psalm 47 verses two three and six through nine all right so our response is god mounts his throne to shouts of joy 
a blare of trumpets for the Lord. Um, so very uh, royal and majestic imagery being used uh, in this psalm. And um, Christians have read this psalm and connected with with the ascension. There's a natural kind of, you know, Jesus going up into heaven. Um, we can kind of see that as a a moment of Christ, you know, taking his place, you know, uh, sitting upon his throne in heaven. Um, you know, Christ who even uh, were the angels, he walks where angel, angels fear to tread. You know, I love the, a lot of the poetry that came out of medieval, medieval and Renaissance period that, that talked about how the angels see and, and revere uh, God as, you know, as he interacts with them. And keep in mind, this, this psalm was written before Christ, before, uh, um, uh, before, the, before Christianity was uh, fully realized. One of the things that is going through the minds of, of the psalmist who, who wrote this uh, is the, the promises of God to Israel, you know, that God would be their king, uh, that God himself would not overtly, you know, have a, a mere human being to be sort of his servant as a king, but uh, that he himself would be their king. And so uh, in light of this sort of promise, God himself would come as, as their king. They're, they're sort of projecting and, and uh, anticipating what kind of joy that would be because Israel was, I mentioned this earlier on, Israel was promised by God to be this beacon of light to the whole world, you know, and that all the nations will stream toward Israel and Israel would be, is God's chosen point of contact, you know? Um, and so in projecting, you know, what that moment would be like was the inspiration for the Psalm. There's, uh, you know, they, they brought in a, all the fanfare and extravagant celebration imagery that they can, you know, the clapping of hands, shouts of, and cries of gladness. Uh, there's trumpet blasts and hymns and songs and all these. Uh, and uh, and I kind of love that uh, image of a blare of trumpets, you know, just trumpets being sounded as loud as they can for, uh, for this moment that God is mounting his throne as if to say, everything is as it should be with God at his place and we in ours. And this is um, very, uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, it lends itself well to an anagogical reading, you know, what uh, we can expect heaven to really be like is, is this unending celebration that God is in his heaven and we are uh, there with him. And, and um, so it's, it's a very beautiful, very Easter appropriate uh, in connection with the ascension in particular, knowing that Jesus is both man and God, you know, and he taking his seat as at the right hand of the Father is God mounting his throne. There's a sense in which the path is set, and there's there's a sense in which I, I dare say the war path is set, you know, that God has come to conquer the earth, you know, for his kingdom, but it's not going to be a kingdom won by violence and destruction and hatred and and um and manipulation but it's going to be by love by self-sacrifice by obliterating your enemy because they're no longer your enemy they're your friend you know <laughs> so uh, it's a one of my favorite psalms so this is more of a, a question right for for you jeremy um 
Because I've always, like, this is something that I always wanted to clarify. Because um, I know, you know, in those sad times where, you know, someone someone dies and, and you know, they move on, people always say, um, you know, an, an angel um, gained his wings in heaven or there's a new angel in heaven. Um, but from what I always understood was that, you know, humans, because of Jesus becoming human himself, um, we became part of the line of royalty in heaven. Is is that an accurate understanding? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, when, when we say that at baptism we're clothed with Christ and that we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption. Um, and we, we also say in scripture from, from scripture that, um, you know, we, we become by grace, what Christ is by nature and by nature, Christ is the son of God. And, um, you know, we're not saying that we'll become like Jesus. There's a very real sense in which we are becoming Christ, you know, uh, uh, that the church is the mystical body of Christ. And so, um, yeah, when we, um, um, when we dying and, and, um, you know, God willing, we go to heaven. Of course he doesn't will that, but, um, um, but, uh, there is, uh, great rejoicing because that's in a sense where we belong. And there's, um, you know, Christ mentioned that that uh, heaven is um, more exuberant over one repentant sinner than um, you know the ninety nine the, uh, the ninety nine that stayed righteous. You know, um, and and so there's a there's this uh, very real sense in which our our place in heaven is really united to Christ as part of the Trinity, you know, we, in our being united to Christ, we, we enter into the life of the Trinity. That's cool to, to, to confirm. And, um, you know, I, I bring that up because the Psalms, you know, like you said, brings up this imagery of, of kind of royalty coming home, you know, trumpets being sounded for, for someone coming home. And I, and I bring that up because, you know, and, and not to knock angels, you know, because they're 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 amazing beings. But, um, you know, I, I bring it up because, you know, one of the things I always explain, um, you know, to my son, you know, in, in kind of, uh, you know, in ways an eight year old can understand is, you know, I tell him like. You know, if if you are a brother or sister to the king, you know, and they die, who becomes the king? You know, you do. You know, because you're you're you could be technically next in line, right? And so you're kind of royalty in heaven. Um, and what this this uh, responsorial psalm, you know, kind of brings up is this idea that the ascension was kind of an example of, you know, God going to where he's inviting you to be with him, 
you know, in the long run, um, you know, to the understanding that, you know, I might even go as far as saying that angels might even bow to you, you know, when you get up into heaven because you're royalty. I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, like I always just see it as um, your royalty, you know, because you're part of the mystical body of Christ. And this ascension is kind of a foreshadowing of what's in store for you um, when you acknowledge and you follow that path that allows you to end up where Jesus meant for you to be. You know, and I, I think that's really important because going back to what was said earlier about how the concept of, you know, they're still trying to figure out, man, is, is this dude going to, you know, make our nation the nation it's supposed to be is Israel finally going to be what it is. And, and if you do the math, you know, human beings for the most part, you know, especially around that time, they probably lived what average of, you know, maybe 60 to 80 years at the oldest, you know, maybe even younger because of, of just how, um, you know, medicine was back then disease was back then. And so when you do the math and you realize, man, I could experience an amazing nation for, 80 years if Jesus, you know, did what I wanted him to do versus you could experience, you know, eternal joy as royalty in heaven, you know, for the rest of eternity, you know. Um, and I bring that comparison up because I think it's important to understand that, you know, even even at that point, you know, again, citing, citing that apostle that was like, hey, are you going to bring back Israel? I think it's important to point out that, you know, even some of Jesus's own direct followers who knew him, you know, personally in the physical form before he, you know, ascended into heaven, weren't quite sure what he was going to do. You know, they didn't fully understand what he was trying to do. And I say that because I want to remind our listeners that if you don't completely understand how Jesus is working in your life, it's okay, you know, because even his own apostles didn't fully understand what he was trying to do, and they knew the man. They had meals with him. They hung out with him for years, and, you know, they still didn't understand. And so to my brothers and sisters out there struggling to figure out what it is you're supposed to do, and you don't quite understand what you're doing yet, that's okay, you know. But what I want to point to is that he wants you to ascend into heaven just like he did. And if you let God steer and you go with the plan that he has made for you, that's where you're going to end up. Versus if you go with another plan, I don't know exactly where you're going to end up. You know, that that that's a different plan. But if you allow God to steer and you follow Christ, you take up your cross, do everything, you know, as best as you can, then that's what is in store for you. The ascension, and you are probably going to get to experience firsthand what the Psalms are talking about when you make your way up. Yeah, no, I love that, bro, because when I think about just kind of what we've been talking about and, and on a very surface level, but still very deep, right? It's like, just do what Jesus did. Like, and you always go to the WWJD and we always say, no, no, no. What would Jesus do? It's like, what did Jesus do? And even if you're not deep in the scriptures, 
every single thing that Jesus did in his life is exactly the model that he left for us and how to live our life from the way that he spent time with people, from the way that he prayed, from the way that he prioritized, from the way that he was countercultural, from his life to his death, to his resurrection, to his ascension. All of those are models for each and every one of us from, you know, from the moment that we were brought into this world into the moment we leave it. There is, there are clues. There are, I don't want to use the word clues, but there are, you know, um, examples, right? Jesus was the example. Jesus was the leader. He is the way. Right, there you go. There are ways of living that have been showed to us. So on a very simple level, everything that Jesus did while he was here is what we're called to do. Of course, easier said than done. However, we follow the model. We follow the plan. We follow the formula. It also can take us into to heaven and like you said in in a, in a state of royalty and again th there's so much more other layers on onto that but that's what i love about this podcast because we can take these pieces of scripture we can learn about jesus's life and of course we're even taking it into you know a fuller context with the old testament and really just seeing how important and how intentional a lot of you know, the stories and these readings and the meaning and the context allow us to grow internally so we can move externally the way that Christ did. So again, just, just really wanted to, to, you know, to land that y'all like, look at this, Jesus is ascending into heaven. He wants us to ascend into heaven. Right. But before that, look at everything else Jesus did. He had to rise from the dead. Maybe there's something that you're living right now that needs to die so that you can be risen so that you can live, be fully alive. Maybe there's things in your life, the vices that you have that are killing you right now spiritually and that you need to rise from. Of course, from the physical death, there is salvation. But, you know, just looking at all the different ways that we can be like Christ from the model behavior, from his way that he taught us all. There's so much there to, to really, um, to reflect on. And I believe there's so much there for us to learn from, but again, right. Easier said than done. Like brother Carlos said, if you're not even sure what that is, that's okay. But just stick with your prayers, stick with this podcast, not stick with, you know, really getting into those scriptures <laughs> and, and just seeing all the different perspectives and angles, and then just allowing God to steer and stir, right. Steer, steer your, steer in this sense of your direction of your life and just let them stir within your heart and that's the one thing we can um, promise you is that things will start to become a little more clear you'll get a little more sharp start to shape your faith just a little bit when you allow god to steer your direction and stir in your heart so all right y'all so we're going to jump into our second reading comes from the book of ephesians chapter 1 verses 17 through 23 right so we're taking a little break from uh, letters of john we're switching back to paul who writes to the ephesians his ephesians letter is famously uh, ecclesiolo ecclesiological meaning uh, it's about the church uh, ecclesiology is the theology of the church what is the church what, what how do we define it what do we mean by the church how does the church operate what is it constituted by 
um, and what is its, the source of its power and you know all this sort of thing. How is it organized? And Paul go, uh, spends this whole letter talking about that. The ascension is a really important piece of this because the mortar, you know, in, in, when you're laying brick, you use um, you know something kind of like cement uh, in between the bricks to hold it together. The mortar of the church is the Holy Spirit. Christ uh, gives us the Holy Spirit to enable us and empower us to do, uh, to be the church, you know, to do uh, what he did. Basically, the thrust of Paul's readings here. Now, I, I have to um, let you know that there are a few options. So you might not hear the, the one that we're talking about here, Ephesians chapter one. You might hear from Ephesians chapter four, but uh, it's uh, still the same message that Christ has given the church the Holy Spirit. And in, in the first reading, uh, in this reading, in the first option, he calls it the spirit of wisdom and revelation, uh, resulting in knowledge of him. And um, and it is by the spirit that we become enlightened and come to know who we are in Christ. The reason why we can know this and we can have confidence, and uh, just, re just a reminder of what the word confidence means, with faith, we can have confidence in the spirit to empower us because it is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, as we see a little bit later in the reading. It is the inheritance that, um, remember the promise of the Holy Spirit that was mentioned in, in, the, in the first reading, and we'll see again in the gospel. This promise, this inheritance is the great gift that God came to give us is God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, right? Um, to, to dwell in us, to empower us, and to wrap us up into uh, the life of the Trinity. And so uh, the same spirit that worked in Christ, raised him from the dead, and seated him in heaven, giving him uh, a place above every, and these are what's mentioned here are some different choirs of angels, principalities, powers, dominions, thrones, right? Um, uh, there's, uh, let, me, let me see if I can name all nine. Archangel, uh, angels, archangels, principalities, powers, Dominions, thrones, cherubim, and seraphim. Was that nine? I don't know. I, I, I didn't count. But, but um, anyway, Christ is brought far beyond. As the Son of God, he was already far above that. But his, his humanity is, in a sense, brought um, to that point as well by being united to his divinity. And so if the Holy Spirit can do that with a human being, what's to say that the Holy Spirit can't? work similar things in us you know and that's the thrust of what paul is trying to say here is that the holy spirit did all these things the holy spirit is given to you now you are the church you know you are the body of christ uh, uh that's what the church is right and he says that at the end at the end here uh christ is our head the church which is his body the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way so we can have confidence that the holy spirit Will do its thing, but you know, as we've spoken about in previous podcasts, it's about giving permission. Um, just a quick word on on uh, chapter four. It talks about some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and signs that the Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit will fill the different members of the church, but not all with the same gifts. You know, and, and he talks about how some are apostles, others prophets, others evangelists, others pastors, others teachers, but they're all all of the gifts, the, despite their differences, 
are for the building up of the body of Christ to to build up the kingdom of God. Um, and that's the only thing that uh, that we are meant to do with our gifts is to um, put it all toward the kingdom. And so um, very powerful uh, word from uh, St. Paul about the church. And and this is why I just enjoy Acts. You know, this is, this is, uh, you know, even though this is Ephesians, it's like he's explaining what's going on in Acts. And it's just, you know, talking about how the Holy Spirit um can can do so much and you know quick quick shot and i know this is you know not fully accepted in the entire you know catholic church but you know quick shout out to the to the charismatic movement um you know all across the nation and um you know and i appreciate them because you know one of the things about the charismatic movement in the catholic church is their openness to allowing the holy spirit you know, to allow them to use the gifts that they were given, you know, to, to be able to, to do work with whatever it is that God has gifted you and, you know, given you the ability to do, um, you know, in, in furtherance of the development of the kingdom of God. Um, you know, learned a lot from them again, you know, I know there's, there's pockets here and there that, um, you know, we're still, I, I think they're still kind of trying to understand their role in the church. Um, but, you know, definitely help me understand, you know, the, the role of how the Holy Spirit moves in each and every one of us. And, you know, I think one of the, the, the things that, you know, I don't want to confuse, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit being given to through confirmation as kind of like a, a Marvel universe type of thing. You know, you're, you're not going to be able to, well, I don't know. I don't know what God intends for you to be able to do, but it might not be, or it probably isn't going to be a spectacular show of a force or power. You know, one of the things that um, my oldest son always asks me is like, you know, cause I always teach him, you know, the way I help them understand is that Jesus is the boss of everything. You know, he can do whatever he wants. So he often asks me, like, well, can Jesus make that, you know, tree start giving you out fruit? Like, yeah, I guess if he wanted to, he could, you know, <laughs> if if that's what he wanted to do with it. You know, well, can he, you know, can he do this? Can he do that? I'm like, well, he obviously, you know, conquered death and he's even the boss of death because he said, nope, I'm not going to die. Um, but I always ask them and I always tell them, but what would be the good in doing that? Like how would that specific thing you're asking about, how would that help in bringing the kingdom of God closer to the people on earth? And I think that's, that's kind of the understanding that, you know, I always want to impart on him, you know, not to make it seem like the power you're going to have is this spectacular you know, you got claws coming out of your hands, you got, you know, laser beams shooting out your eyes. But I think what we have to understand is this power that, you know, Paul is trying to tell us we're going to, we're going to have is something meant 
to affect eternity, you know, forever, not just, you know, make someone rich in one second, but this is about how do you make someone rich for all of eternity, you know, when, when their bodies are no longer functioning, when all the riches that they inherited on earth is gone, you know, when, when their position here on earth means nothing anymore, like how do we inherit something that'll bring us joy, everlasting joy for all of eternity. And I think that's what, you know, these things are meant to be, how that manifests, whether it be, you know, maybe having the words to, to comfort someone, to lead them back to Christ, maybe the ability to be present and to cause healing through Christ in someone who, you know, may not have been healed otherwise. Cause you know, obviously we know that to be the case for, for those who we've deemed saints in the Catholic church. Um, you know, the relationship with Christ was so strong that Christ was present in them. And so therefore when they were present around other people, you know, healing took place. Um, and so, I think these are the, the the things that we have to kind of dig and understand, you know, what exactly God left each individual person and what exactly your ability through the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in furtherance of the kingdom of heaven. Because guaranteed, you're probably not going to be, you're probably not going to have, you know, psychic ability to know the, the next lotto numbers. But you may have the ability to, you know, understand something so much so that you could explain something to another brother or sister that will turn them to Christ and help them develop that relationship with Christ that eventually is the beginning of the path to get them into heaven. Um, You know, just something to think about because you have so much power within you to change hearts and to save souls. And I just encourage, you know, all of our brothers and sisters to, to be open to that ability to do that work here on earth. Yeah. Brother Sula, when, you know, you were talking about just how everyone has a part and brother Jay was talking about, we all have this part of the body and different gifts and then we're not all made the same, just reminded me or not even reminded me, but just like is the reason why we're called the universal church. Right? The Catholic means universal, right? We are the universal church because we come in all different shapes, sizes, flavors. We come in all, you know, different ways, different backgrounds, different cultures with the same mission at hand. And and I love, you know, when you were talking about confirmation, a visual that I got, like, it's like, you're right. Like confirmation is going to make you like this, this superhero, this ain't uh, Dragon Ball Z, you know, where you're just going to all of a sudden turn into just Goku and you know what I'm saying, start going all out. However, maybe not even necessarily on the external, but the visual that I have is, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes down upon us and, you know, we were always taught that Holy Spirit or the comfort, the sacrament of confirmation strengthens, right? All that we received at our baptism, making it the final step of initiation into the Catholic church. So everything that we received at baptism now is strengthened through confirmation. So I think of this coming into us sacramentally is huge and is powerful and is, you know, just like in the sense in receiving it, I have, I visualize something 
huge and big with our spiritual lives. But then yet, it's going to take time to develop. It's there, and now we have to to put in the work. Now we have to train it. And then when it's time to show up, as long as we're constantly developing the gifts, as long as we're constantly developing the fruits and, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we're, you know, that are strengthened at confirmation, uh, this is where I feel like this writing, this reading comes in, right? The second line is give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So thinking about just the word wisdom and mo- many people get it confused with knowledge when it's really in the way I like to think of it is wisdom is knowing when to apply that knowledge, right? So having the knowledge and the information is one thing, but knowing when to use it and how to use it is the wisdom. And then revelation, you know, root word reveal. Right? So think about this, know, having the spirit of wisdom, knowing when to use the knowledge and the spirit of revelation, knowing when to reveal, right, whatever the things might be. Again, I'm just looking at it from a, just a very practical sense. So, you know, give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation resulting in the knowledge of him. So just thinking about how we can piece all that together, that our spirit of wisdom and revelation will result in the knowledge of him. And the the next line is my favorite. May the eyes of your hearts, I realize what they realize, the eyes of your hearts. Proverbs 3, 7, don't be wise with your own eyes. May the eyes of your hearts be enlightened. And I just feel like that right there is much needed in this world. Our hearts and our spirits need to be enlightened. We need to call on the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can have more knowledge of him. And I believe that more knowledge of him will allow us, will allow our the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened so that we will really know what the hope, right, what it is that, what it what is the hope that belongs to his call? Right? And again, just another question that I like to reflect on. I'm like, what is the call? And what is the hope that belongs to his call? And that, again, that's just another layer of us being a part of the plan, us taking this Holy Spirit and really allowing it to work in us through us to the world doing God's mission. So yes, a lot of, a lot of good stuff here. A lot of powerful, powerful pieces. I love all of your perspectives, bro. So, all right, y'all. So we're going to go ahead and just jump into the gospel reading. And today's gospel comes from the book of Mark chapter 16 verses 15 through 20. Now, I know we typically don't go through the, the gospel acclamations, um, but uh, just to backtrack a little bit to the gospel acclamation, which is when we say, when we sing the Alleluia before uh, the reading of the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel, there's usually a verse. And uh, the verse there that we read on Ascension is from the end of Matthew's gospel. And th- I just thought that this would be important to know because. You know, uh, Matthew has his version of the Ascension and what his words are. 
uh, what Christ's words are before he ascends, you know, to his disciples. Uh, and these are, this is Matthew's version. Um, so Jesus, before he ascends, says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the world. Now, it's a shorter version, of, uh, um, but that's the whole verse. Um, you know, the, that it, he promises to be with us until the end, end of time. Um, and we'll see that there is a very similar uh, thing going on here. You know, in Mark's gospel, uh, so this Mark 16 is the very last chapter of the gospel. And so this is, uh, um, you know, it is ascension. So uh, obviously it's going to be about the ascension. And he's saying these are his last instructions um, ascending. He says, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So this is a very attention grabbing, but he's basically laying out, this is what you are to do as the church in my stead. You know, <laughs> you know this because these are, in a sense, the things that he did. Now, he, he didn't literally pick up serpents right and um and he's not telling us to you know to test this out and um you know test god's promise by you know going out and drinking poison and arsenic and all that kind of stuff but um but what he is um uh saying is that there are miracles that will accompany you uh should you walk the path of a saint and that's uh, really what we do see what we and we have seen throughout history after christ when the church investigates a case for canonization, they look for miracles. That's part of the process. There has to be miracles that take place both within the life of, of uh, the person in question and even afterward, that miracles take place with their intercession. You know, we, we can talk about uh, St. Patrick. You know, you might say that, Okay, the, he was a saint that lived a long time ago. Is this, is, what, what about now? And then um, one saint that comes to mind, or I should say uh, a blessed, he's, he was uh, beatified, blessed Carlo Acutis, right? Um, very recent saint. He was a young um, young man who, who uh, learned how to code and built a website attributed uh, that, um, you know, that archived and... Uh, he curated a bunch of material about Eucharistic miracles, and um, uh, but he passed away. But they recently exhumed his body, meaning they they, they kind of took him out of the tomb uh, that he was buried in, and they found that he was incorruptible. His body has not decayed, and this is very recent. This is last year, October last year, that they that they exhumed his body, and so you know these things are still happening. The the miracles that are signs of of faith and uh, belief. And so Jesus is still making good on his promise. With that being said, you know, Jesus finishes up these words. He was taken up into heaven. And just like how we see in the Acts of the Apostles, Jesus goes up and there's this image of uh, the right hand of God. Uh, just to say a quick word on that, because we say that at the in the creed that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And here we see the right hand of God 
you know, this is a, um, it's a royal image and it has a lot to do with like ancient kingships. You know, the, the phrase right hand man is the, you know, is very much related to this, that person at the right hand of the king was the king's most trusted advisor. Like if the king needed help making a decision, of course, it's the king's decision to make, but the, of, of course, the king is also free to seek counsel so that he can make the best decision uh, and to use his authority in the best way. Now, we can get into a whole theology of what this means, but you know, Christ, who is the Son of God, came and descended first. And this is something that Paul says in, uh, in the other reading, uh, for the second reading. Paul, uh, uh, the Son of God had to descend first. Right, and it's not just a um, a symbolic or kind of a false descending. He really left, and, it, and there's a sense in which he really left heaven, became a human being, and so in ascending again and being seated at the right hand of God, in his divinity, he's retaking his place. But his humanity is it, this is new for humanity. So to say that humanity uh, through Christ is now seated at the right hand of God is is a very awesome moment and we have that place in heaven through christ and that's that's why christ is you know it's all about you know <laughs> talking about that question earlier the answer will always be jesus right <laughs> again the sign that that we are on the right path will be uh, the signs not that we should do everything for the sake of trying to make a miracle happen again that's what that's God's prerogative. He's going to make a miracle happen through you uh, when you least ex expect it. <laughs> uh, it's your uh, your only part is to go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel. Yeah, bro. I mean, again, another reading and reminder that we are being given and blessed with this Holy Spirit that will help us do great things for the gospel if it's in jesus name we always hear that you know in jesus name and and i think that sometimes people just say that um at the end of the prayers or during prayer but like when i think of it in this context yo, in jesus name we are going to drive out the demons speak new languages pick up these serpents not literally but figuratively with our hands and you know, and if they if we drink something, anything deadly, it won't harm them. Like I'm just thinking about this this idea of not necessarily being invincible, but just this idea of again going to a whole nother level on so many different aspects. And we're being commissioned to do this. We're being called to do this. Everyone who has the Holy Spirit within them is being called to do this. So I think it goes back to what's holding us back it's going back to where in our lives have we developed this paralysis right this maybe maybe it's an analysis paralysis where we think about it too much that we don't act on it but if we ponder and if we gnaw on it the way that we do here with each other and with this podcast then it'll definitely create some momentum or catalyst can be a catalyst for us to to take action and move forward so as i'm just you know listening to you share jay and as i'm reading it and praying with you know all these words i'm just thinking like wow here is another invitation 
and another reminder that we are all commissioned to go out into the world. And it's going to look different for everyone. Like when you're saying, you know, proclaiming the gospel and that might look that will look different for how we proclaim the, the gospel because of the different gifts that we have, because of the different circumstances that we're in. And I and I love, you know, again, just the simplicity of it is start at home. Start at home. And I think a lot of times people think they got to do, you know, something on a platform or, you know, speak to a crowd. And, and again, if that's your calling and if that's something that God puts on your heart and that's the opportunity that you have, you know, that you created on purpose or not. Hey, cool. But the simplest thing, start at home. Start with, you know, your spouses, start with your kids. And if you're, you know, if your vocation, if you're not married or you don't have kids, start with your parents start with your siblings, start with your relatives, or just start with the people who you call family, your chosen family. Start there, proclaim it there by your actions and let the words that you pray on, let the words and the scripture that you take in, let that be what's guiding you. As we've been saying time and time again, let God steer. And now we added, I added something new. Let God steer and let God stir. Let him stir that Holy Spirit in you, right? It's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking about this right now, but I'm thinking about chocolate milk. Remember the old school way we used to make chocolate milk with the syrup, right? You take the milk and you could like squeeze all the chocolate syrup in the world that you want. But if you don't stir it up, it's still going to just take that, like that regular milk. But in order to get the full effect, yo, we got to stir it up. We have to allow God to stir the Holy Spirit within our, our soul, in our hearts, in our minds. We have to let the Holy Spirit truly take us over in a way and be stirred within us in a way where it just oozes out, man. The Holy Spirit is just gushing out of us and in all that we do. And like, you know, like Brother Jay was saying, not necessarily in an extroverted, like boisterous way per se, but just in your way, in your home, in your circle, in your community. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of respecting the small. Grind small. I mean, not grind small. Grind big on something small. I'd rather, you know, I, I hear, I've, hear, I've heard it all the time. I'd rather you have a small goal and a big grind than a big goal and a small grind. So let's just do this day by day, brick by brick, spirit by spirit. And this is just another reminder that we can do it. And we, and through all the struggles and hardships that we're going to endure, God got us. I think we got to realize that Jesus straight up just told us what we can do. Um, it came from the mouth of the man himself. You're going to be able to do these things. And, and, you know, if anything that's constant in scripture is that you listen to what Jesus tells you to do. Um, and you know, he gives a specific list, but, but I think, you know, he's, he's trying to show us what's possible, you know, by, by citing, um, you know, things that he did while he was doing his ministry work. Um, but I think one of the things that we have to realize, you know, touching upon what, what Brother Ryan said is that 
you know, these miracles don't even have to be spectacular in the comic book sense, but they could be spectacular in the personal sense. Um, and I bring this up. I want to share this story that, you know, I shared once. And this actually, man, it's been a while. It, this happened like, I guess, 19 years ago, close to 20 years ago. It was, it's a personal story that I shared with a lot of students, you know, but I think it's an example of what was small for me was a miracle to an entire family, you know. And, and so what it was was I was coming home from, uh, you know, fire academy. It was a night school thing. And for those of you from Solano County, you know, who've been between the Vallejo and Fairfield area, I was coming home from uh, the fire academy that was based in uh, Cordelia. You know, it was, it was connected to Solano Community College. It was late. We had just done a whole bunch of, you know, firefighting drills. So I was hungry. Everyone knows that Jack in the Box on Red Top Road, you know, when you drive down 80, if you're from that area. And so I pull into Red Top Road, Jack in the Box is right there, and there's this dude standing by a car, and um, he's holding a gas can. And again, this is like 10.30 at night, it's late. I'm like, hmm, you know, because we've seen, we've seen all those horror movies, you know what I'm saying? Like you pick up a a hitchhiker man the horror movie begins you know what i'm saying so there's always a piece of you that has to be cautious when you do these things but what was different that night was that i felt like something was compelling me to pull over to the point where i'm just like oh you really want me to get jacked huh you know it was, it was almost like i was talking to, to the holy spirit in my mind like you want me to get jacked you're telling me to you know i was like it was just me in the car. I'm just talking to myself like, you want me to get jacked? Okay, okay, fine, fine. I trust you, all right? So, you know, I pull up next to the dude, and he's just like, you know, um, I'm out of gas. You know, we're just trying to get to my sister's place in Sacramento. I don't have any cash. Can you help me? And I'm like, I'm thinking, man, I'm about to go get myself a sourdough jack. At 1030 in the night, I have all the means to do it. All right. Okay. Meet me, meet me at the gas tank over there, you know, and, and I'll help you out, you know. Um, so I meet him at the gas tank and, you know, as I was pulling away, I hear a bunch of little kids like giggling and crying. And I'm like, holy cow, there's a family in that car waiting for him. Like he has young kids and I'm just like, no way. You know, he's, he's by himself and he has a bunch of little kids. It's 1030 at night. He just needs some gas. So we go to the gas station. I fill him up and he's like super thankful. And I'm like, you're welcome, man. Don't worry about it. You know, and I told him I'll be praying for you guys. And so he makes his way back to the car. And, you know, in that moment, I'm just like, there's no way I'm not, you know, helping this family out. So I just... You know, when I got to the drive-through window of Jack in the Box, I didn't just get my, you know, food for myself. You know, I bought a whole bunch of, you know, sourdough, uh, jumbo jacks, a bunch of fries, and a bunch of, you know, juices, because I don't want to give kids soda at night. But, <laughs> you know, I pull up to him, and I said, "Hey, I, you know, I saw you guys 
you know, you have kids in there. So, you know, I bought something for you guys. And so he takes, you know, the two or three bags that I hand him. He brings it to this, to the car. And all I hear are like, you know, just like squeals of joy from the little kids. Like, oh, that's food. Someone got us food. And I left that scene, you know, just my heart full. But what I'm saying is that to me, that was like, I just dropped, you know, what, twenty, thirty dollars maybe, you know, which at the time like that was not a problem for me, so that wasn't even a big deal for me. But to that family, to that father and to those kids, you know, that was a miracle to them. You know, that was a prayer answered for them. And I bring that story up because I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters who are listening. That these are the little miracles that you can create for the people around you. Doesn't have to be spectacular. You're not making cars levitate or nothing like that. I don't know. Maybe you might be able to heal someone if you pray over them. But the little miracles that we can create for our brothers and sisters around us. That's power right there. You know, to me, that's the miracle or that's the type of miracle that Jesus is telling us that we're capable of doing. You know, in this gospel reading, yeah, he's talking about, you know, healing people by laying hands on them, you know, being bitten by venomous snakes and not being hurt. Man, if we can do things that great, some of the miracles that we can do for other people can be just as amazing. Um, But again, it started with that relationship I had with Christ, you know, my ability to kind of be in tune with the Holy Spirit, um, you know, and developing that sense. And that was something that, you know, we were blessed, you know, us three brothers, we were blessed because we were part of a ministry that allowed us to be in an environment that opened up our hearts and minds to that thing, that allowed us to be in an environment where we had, you know, adults in the faith that encouraged us you know, to be open to the Holy Spirit like that. And, you know, we were blessed in that sense. And in the same way, that same blessing is available to each and every one of us who follow Christ. And if we take that time and, you know, going back to what we mentioned, you know, a few podcasts ago, take that time, learn how to, you know, listen to the Holy Spirit in that silence. You know, take that time, be in that silence, learn to understand how the Holy Spirit is moving in you to inspire you, you know, to inspire the words in your, in, in, in your thoughts, to inspire the actions, you know, to be Christ to all those brothers and sisters around us, you know, take that time to develop that relationship with Christ. And I guarantee you, you're going to start being the miracles for the people in your community, in your family, and for all the world that you you find yourself in. Amen, bro. And, you know, quick little interesting fact, as you know, uh, well, not maybe, the, our listeners, Miriam and I know, bro, Rye, the inspiration guy, <laughs> um, was... Um, kind of created and birthed through the pandemic 
and you know the truth truth be told the inspiration guy came from you know the idea of being holy spirit inspired like everything that inspires me whether it's in the church work whether it's in the public schools whether it's you know a secular work that i do it doesn't matter everything that I do everything that I put out. I always rely and heavily rely and have faith and trust in the Holy Spirit to guide me. Now, does that mean that everything that's going to come out of my mouth is ecclesial? You know, maybe not. Right. Is that, did I use that in the right context, Jay? Sorry, that last uh, bit. I Oh, I know y'all both um, broke up. No, I, I was just saying that, you know, and you know, when I say that, everything that I try to do, everything I try to say and the way I try to live my life is Holy Spirit inspired. That doesn't mean that everything I'm going to say is ecclesial. Is that, is that proper? Like churchy? Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, so, yeah. you know, what the things that I say aren't always going to necessarily be churchy, but the way I say things and maybe the formula and the way that it impacts those around me are Holy Spirit inspired. And I, I really want to, you know, emphasize that Holy Spirit inspired, not because again, I'm trying to necessarily preach to people 24 seven or, you know, catechize in that way that it can be uncomfortable and inappropriate because it's not the right setting, but through my actions and through my words, like I pray that everything I can do, everything that I do is going to be Holy Spirit inspired. So that's where little, you know, background around the inspiration guy because i just want to continue to just let the spirit be my words i want it to be my my guide in all that i do and all that i serve whether it's again faith-based or not so so yeah so let's go ahead and just uh we'll wrap this bad boy up there's so much here y'all so much here so please remember again just to use the timestamps and and just some quick final thoughts as we get ready to wrap up let's uh start off with our our leader here the one who is truly sharpening us on a weekly basis let's go bro jay oh i'm not a leader <laughs> i'm i'm just on the right hand or you know left hand whatever <laughs> i'm just a hand <laughs> but uh <laughs> um together with with what we've been reading in the last few uh sundays you know and how this is about you know jesus is lord he's king he's God, you know, and, and he came to break ground for the kingdom of God. He's sending us into the world to, to win that war, to win this war for the world. Uh, he gives us the Holy Spirit as our weaponry. I think the, the greatest title of the, of the Holy Spirit is that it is the spirit of love, you know, above all charity. You know, that's one of the mottos of the church in a sense. This is something that Paul says, you know, when, when he's talking about the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he says, but I'll show you a still more excellent way. And he that's when he talks about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love can work every miracle that needs to happen. Uh, because love, as John says in previous readings, Love is of God, and God is love. And so if there's ever a question about, you know, for, for our listeners, how do you know whether or not you're doing the right thing? Um, how do you know if the risk you're taking is worth it? 
how do you build up that confidence in God to do anything really? The the question that you can always ask yourself is, is your motivation rooted in love? Love of God, love of neighbor, love of yourself as a child of God. Are you really seeking that other person's good or your own good? You know, and by the way, you're you're acting and influencing other people. Is it really for their good? If you can say yes, if, that it is motivated by love, that you really want what is best for anyone in your life, um, those closest to you, those you meet on the street and the, and the complete stranger, are you really looking out for what is good for them? And can you really say that what you're doing is an act of love? Uh, there is risk involved. You know, Christ in his great love knew that he was going to be sacrificed and he, but he did it anyway because it was out of love for God so loved the world, right? That's sort of my final thought is it all comes back to love. That's why Christ did what he did. It's what empowered Christ to do all the things that he did. It's what rose Christ from the dead. It's what brought him into heaven. And it's what um, it is what God has given us to do the same things. Bro, see low. Final thoughts. Go get baptized. Go get your first Eucharist. Go get confirmed because we need you. The <laughs> world needs you. Your neighborhood needs you. Your family needs you. Jesus needs you to get to work. I mean, that's that's it. You know, um, he already told you, he gave you the job description. He gave you some benefits, you know, he gave you the benefits package, right? <laughs> like he told you what you're going to be able to do. He gave you a benefit package and the compensation is eternity in heaven. I mean, you know, this may very well be the best job you've ever had, you know, um, you know, and, and you have brother Jeremy's words to guide you, you know, and, and how you understand if you're going down the right path, you know, we, as a community, we need you, you know, all, all the, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think it's possible to make the world perfect, you know, without Christ coming back on the cloud and, you know, doing it himself. But it is possible to make a huge difference in the lives of individuals and of families and of children and of people in need. You know, guaranteed, whatever you can do can be a miracle to those who need a miracle, you know. Um, and so this is an invitation to my brothers and sisters out there listening, get to work. You know, if you already have the sacraments, the tools, you know, the power that, that Christ left behind, get to work. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying go out there, make a website, you know, drop what you're doing and, and go, you know, hold up a sign on the, the corner of the street. But what I'm, what I'm saying is start letting God steer, start being open to his inspiration in you and take that, take some courage and take a chance. And I guarantee you, 
you will find yourself in a place that you didn't expect, but more fulfilled than you might have been if you stayed where you're at. Thank you, brother. And yeah, my my final thought is actually going to be, you know, uh, a tribute to the late and great, you know, Uncle Brother Chuck Durley. Um, one of his email signatures from uh, 10 years plus, you know, ago was activate your faith. And I remember asking him, I was like, hey, bro, Chuck, is it cool if I use that? <laughs> he was like, of course. And he ended every email with activate your faith. And I think that's where I want to end. You know, that's my final thought for tonight is activate your faith and allow the Holy Spirit to guide, to lead. And like Brother Jay said, with love. And like Brother Carlos said, if that means just getting initiated into the church, or maybe you are a Catholic and maybe you feel like your faith is activated. Well, we're going to invite you to activate it on a whole different level. Activate your faith in the areas of your faith life that might be uncomfortable. Activate your faith life in the way that you've never done it before. Do it differently. Earlier, we were having a conversation with our young people at our conference, not earlier, but earlier this week. And they were talking about, you know, helping the homeless out and the less fortunate and they had to do a project where they had to draw pictures and share drawings and things like that. And, you know, they were showing pictures of giving out food and money and all these other things. And, you know, I thought it was, you know, it was, it was good. And then I had a conversation with one of uh, one of the groups and my question was, okay, well, when was the last time you've actually helped out the less fortunate and what did you do? And it was like, crickets i think one answer was like well my mom did this and gave this guy a meal or my dad right did this and i was like no but when did you actually go out and do these things that you're drawing and writing about when was the last time you did right and and my point was that not to make anyone feel bad but it was this idea like we know some of the things we could do. And of course, and, and this was just even still very like surface level, but even on that level, have we activated our faith? And then even taking it to the next level after that, let's say you do give alms, but now let's go deeper. What's the intention of that? Like Brother Jay said, look at the intentions of how, what we're doing and why we're doing it. Is it really wanting to will the good of the other? And are we doing these things because we know that there is a retirement plan in heaven that is going to be beautiful to be with all of our brothers and sisters for eternity, knowing that, yeah, the job description, it does not say easy. The job description does not say walk in the park. The job description does not say, you know, in the beginning and then ends with happily ever after. Like that's just not the truth. It's going to be difficult, but this is even more reason why we receive the Holy Spirit. So final message for me, and again, just activate your faith, whatever that might look like on all different levels. Doesn't have to be super big, you know, in the world of the, in the eyes of the world. And as we always say, activate your faith for the unseen in, in private. Challenge yourself. Like don't activate it just because the camera's on. Don't activate it because you're trying to post it, you know, do it for the gram. Like, 
bump all that y'all scratch all that do it for the unseen because god is watching because god is watching so all right y'all thank y'all brothers again for your time your talent and um all the gifts that you share on this podcast and with your families and all those that you serve it is definitely a blessing to continue this journey with y'all and for all of our listeners out there again remember use the timestamps take your time with this you know allow this podcast again as we are the whetstone podcast where we want to help sharpen you you know each other like just imagine just sharpening yourself little by little slowly take your time with it as you grind on the whetstone so that you can continue to take what you need whatever god inspires from you again share the podcast rate the podcast and we will definitely see y'all as we wrap up the easter season we are going into the pinnacle into what i call the pinnacle and super excited and we will see you all next week remember to continue to pray for us because we will always be praying for you amen amen thank you brothers (laughs) for sure all right y'all peace